0: worship service coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota Florida for November 29th we are so delighted that you have joined us on this first Sunday in Advent and we pray that this service will be a blessing to you and to those that you love this is the day the Lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship now with the prelude
1: Today, the first Sunday of Advent, begins the ritual of lighting the candles that symbolize the light of God coming to the earth. The circle of greens represent God's eternity. The candle we light today represents hope. It is the joyful expectation of God with us. Listen now to the scripture reading from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 2, 6, and 7, that prepares us for Jesus' arrival. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ.
2: in Advent, as we think about what will be our Christmas celebration, let us also be aware of God's call to create a larger place for the one who is to come, to acknowledge our sins, and to allow the forgiving Father to fill our hearts with his grace and his love. Let us together confess our sins before God. Awesome God, we confess the sin of our separation from you. We have blamed you for hiding from us, rather than admitting that we have failed to see you in the thousands of ways you are revealing yourselves every day. We have not called on you, and we have not listened to your call for, to us. Without you, we have become tiny islands of self-concern. Our links with the rest of your children are stretched and broken. Oh God, we long for that loving community in which your reign is acknowledged and your purposes are served. Move us to that play, we pray. Amen. Our Savior is nigh, and through our confession, he forgives us, he lives through us, and he renews the power of his birth again in our lives. This is the greatest Advent news of all. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel in Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father almighty from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead i believe in the holy ghost the holy catholic church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting amen now is the time for us to greet one another in the sanctity of our homes and we trust that The peace of Christ is with you. And as we share the peace, we invite you to watch this special video in which people talk about their peace.
3: Well, we welcome you again to our pre-recorded worship service for November the 29th. The first Sunday of Advent, we begin today our intentional journey to Bethlehem and the celebration of the Christ child. You will want to make sure to download from our website our Advent devotional created by our very own church members or you can stop by the church office and pick up a copy for yourself. And don't also miss miss the issue of Connect Magazine that's just been released and we invite you to again download that from our website. Or you may want to stop again at the church and pick up a copy for yourself, your, yourself. Uh, One stop for your Advent journey for you and your family is Christmas Under the Stars on Wednesday, December the 9th at 5.30 p.m. right here in our courtyard. You will be caroled to by our Palms preschoolers and inspired by the retelling of the Christmas story by our youth, for young families, and for the young at heart, so all are welcome. Come join us then. Also starting this Wednesday, December the 2nd, you won't want to miss the music of Advent hosted by Geneviève Beauchamp and an assortment of our pastors. This week on Wednesday at 6.30 via Zoom, you'll have the chance to learn about the music and history of today worship with Geneviève and Mingie Brown. You can register on our website to join this inspiring time of learning and singing. Another way of preparing for Christmas is adopting an angel from the Salvation Army Angel Tree, a chance to bring joy to the life of a young person or a senior who are not likely to receive much of anything at Christmas. You can find that link to the Salvation Army Angel Tree Project on our website. The unwrapped gifts need to be delivered directly to the Salvation Army collection site right over on Tuttle Avenue by December the 9th. Speaking of the Salvation Army, we can still use a bunch more ringers over at the Publix on Beneva and B Ridge. Again, the sign up is on our website. It all goes to support this very important mission partner here in our community. Just two hour shifts and a whole lot of joy and encouragement that you will give. Ringing got started on Friday and will continue through to Christmas Eve. Christmas flower donations and dedications are being received. Again, on our website at the top of our homepage, click on events and you'll find your way to sign up and donate. Another way to serve in this season is to help us in the food pantry with packing groceries and distributing to those who need support, especially during these holidays. Just yesterday we handed out 120 turkeys to those who had gathered. So you can sign up to help us out on our website again and there's a great need, especially during Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. We continue our conversation about race in the church tomorrow night at 6 p.m. on Zoom. You can register online. We'll be talking about the book, The Color of Law. You don't have to worry about reading it. You can just get on the Zoom call. We'll watch a short video and then a discussion will follow. That's tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Lastly, we want to thank you so much for your overwhelming response to our congregational survey. 660 of you responded. Your feedback has been so helpful in guiding our decisions about how to proceed during these unprecedented times. And looking ahead to Christmas Eve and how we can celebrate, more of you prefer the idea of being able to gather outdoors so we can sing Christmas carols and worship the newborn savior under the stars, which is what we plan to do. On December 23rd, we'll be out, of course, on Siesta Beach, singing and hearing the story of Christmas, starting at 5 o'clock. And then on Christmas Eve, we will have three services outdoors, weather permitting, at 5 p.m., 7 p.m., and 9 p.m. We'll be gathered again in the courtyard, under the tree and the stars, wearing our masks, keeping our distance, and we'll sing and give thanks and light candles in in a healthy way. We will do the best we can to celebrate. Dress casual for the weather, don't be much more than, we won't be much more than a half hour, so you may wanna just choose to stand, but some of you will want to bring your own chairs to sit. For those who prefer to be indoors and not have to be outdoors and worry about all that, we invite you to come at three o'clock on Christmas Eve afternoon, where we'll have a nice meditative and contemplative service right here in our sanctuary. We ask that you register for that indoor service and that registration form will be available soon on our website. Of course, for those of you who choose to remain home, we will have our customary candlelight service with strings and singers and carols pre-recorded and available to you online at 7 p.m. Christmas Eve eve night a lot is going on here at church of the palms we are not letting any dumb pandemic get in our way may you have a blessed and safe and healthy advent journey let us continue our worship
0: Over these past two weeks, we have lost two young men from our church family. Dr. Will Hedgepeth was the 30-year-old brother of Kate and son of Cindy and Pastor Bruce, who served here for five years. Will was in his final year of residency when he was diagnosed with stage four cancer about 18 months ago. His suffering ended, and he passed peacefully at home on Tuesday, November 10th, with his parents by his side. One week later, on Tuesday, November 17th, Blake Bennett was killed in a hit-and-run accident while on his scooter in Tallahassee. Blake was a 22-year-old student at Florida State who went to our preschool, who grew up in this church, was an acolyte and an accomplished musician. Blake did his Eagle Scout project in our back 40. We are grieving with his sister, Blair, his parents, Bob and Susan, and his grandparents, Ben and Jane Jacobson. Let us pray. Mighty God, as we enter this season of Advent, we are preparing our hearts and thinking about how you came to the world to be one with us. We ask, O Lord, for your healing presence to be felt among Will and Blake's families and among all of those families who have lost loved ones. While this season is tinged with anticipation and joy, it is also heavy with darkness and grief. We lift our prayers, Wonderful Counselor, for all of those who are suffering from COVID, cancer, and other illnesses. We remember those who feel lonely, hungry, and uncertain of the future. Help us to share your love in tangible ways, and most importantly, to not exclude anyone from your unconditional and inclusive love. Everlasting Father, we lit the candle of hope on this first day of Advent. We hope and pray that one day soon there will be an end to wars and viruses and suffering and dying. Our hope is in you, O Lord, to keep us grounded and present to the need among us and to keep us focused on the most important thing receiving and extending your grace and love. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Friends, we come to this time in our service that we call the moment of gratitude. It is out of gratitude that we worship God for who God is, and for all of the good things in life, most especially for the gift of life on this day. We worship God with our music, with our prayers, our silence, and through the word read and preached. We worship God with our time, talents, and treasures. There are four ways that you can continue to worship God with your treasures. May you be blessed in your giving as you bless others. Thanks be to God.
4: Let us pray. Gracious God, we give our best to you and we do so with great gratitude and faith. As we await the coming of Christ, we pray that we can be aware of the opportunities that call us to help our brothers and sisters in need. Make more room in our hearts as giving servants in your kingdom. May these gifts bring a little hope in our suffering world and may they be multiplied through your goodness and grace. We pray this in our Savior's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, would all the kids please come close to the screen. It is your time to come and have a little moment. Uh, My name is Genevieve Beauchamp. Usually I do the music. Um, So I'm thinking uh, a lot of you probably wonder what it's like to grow up in the very cold snow. And you probably wish that you could do that, well, I can tell you, it's really fun. It's really cold. You have to get dressed a lot, but it's fun because you get to do, you know, throw snowballs, and you can make some snowman, and you can um, you can go skiing, you can play hockey, which is really fun, um, and you can do all kinds of things. But what people don't really think about is that when you live in the really cold snow it gets really dark because you're very far from the equator. So what happens is you're trying to, you know, you get up in the morning and then it's completely dark. You eat your breakfast and it's completely dark in the winter. And then uh, you go to school, you finish at 3 p.m. and then it's dark again. So a lot of darkness and you just have to have a lot of light. And the other thing about the winter is that you know, it's there's a lot of snow, right? That's what we want. You want to have a lot of snow, but in order to have a lot of snow, you have to have a lot of clouds. So even during the daytime, which is really short, it is very very dark because it's cloudy. So that's what it's like to live in the cold. It's a lot of fun, but a lot of darkness. And what happens is people are really hanging on to hope, because they get tired of the winter darkness, but they know that the spring is coming every single year, and every year it gets a lot better. So in our story here, we're thinking about the Old Testament and the people in the Old Testament, they had a lot of darkness also. It was not the the kind of darkness here with the sky, but it was a lot of bad people and bad rulers and people didn't know how to behave themselves. So the prophet Isaiah came and he said, you know what? hang in there and have hope because the light is coming and you are going to get to see the Savior that will come and save the world. So people started having hope. And what a wonderful word, word, the word hope, right? It lets us know that something better is coming. And that's why we light the hope candle. And one more thing, you know, this year was kind of a sort of a dark year. I don't know if you agree with me, but I feel like, you know, you probably had a birthday party that was very small, if you had one at all, or maybe your Thanksgiving was really small, and maybe your Christmas will be, and you know, you probably don't get to see your friends as much as you do, or you don't travel, the things that you really love to do. So it feels a little bit like darkness, but Again, we know to have hope. We know that God is working through the scientists and the doctors, and he's making sure that these people are bringing hope to our world so that we go back and do what we love doing the most. So hang on to this hope, and when you have hope, you also have to have patience, and patience is the next fruit of the spirit that we'll be studying next month. Pray with me. Good morning, God. Thank you for taking care of us and give us patience and help us see the light of Christ shining on our path every day, whether it's cloudy, snowy, or sunny. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
3: So today is the last Sunday of the month. It is also the first Sunday of Advent, as we've been saying throughout the service, and thus we thought it perhaps best to turn our to our new fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of patience. Now. I know that patience is something that you have oodles and oodles of and that there are no people and circumstances in your life who try your patience, but in the event that you might need to think just a little bit about this fruit of the Spirit, we are going to take this as our Advent theme, the the challenge of patience. Advent is really about patience, isn't it? Patiently waiting for the coming of God, waiting patiently for God to do God's new thing. So we're going to turn this month to the scriptures and and those within scripture who patiently waited for God to come in the form of his Messiah. Today we're going to look at the prophet Isaiah Next Sunday, we'll look at Zechariah and Elizabeth. Then after that, John the Baptist. And then, of course, Mary and Joseph. So today, we look at one of the great messianic prophecies, a part of which we listened to earlier when we lit our Advent candle, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear the word of God. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the trampling warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom he will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this this is the word of the Lord thanks be to God let us pray by your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. I once visited a parishioner at her office and noticed that she had pinned to her bulletin board a little Xerox piece of paper that said the following. Due to financial constraints and until further notice, the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned off. Rather unique and quizzical thing to see posted in someone's office due to financial constraints and until further notice, the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned off. When I asked her about it, she told me that she had it there to remind herself of the ongoing tension there exists always between an assessment of present resources and that hope beyond hope of something even better to come. That, that as dark as it may seem, as, as hard as it is to see, that there's still a light there at the end of the tunnel, even though there may be some within the organization who want to turn it off we live don't we always in the middle of a realistic inventory of what seems available to us now and a hope that somehow some way something is going to get better that the equation will work out to something more than the sum of its parts, that, that two plus two might equal five, that three plus three might equal 12, that the present constraint does not, in fact, have the ability to turn out that light at the end of the tunnel, that, that no matter how dark the tunnel might appear to be, no matter how long it might wind into the gloom and shadows, that there is still a light somewhere at the end and an opening into another vista When Abraham Lincoln stood before a divided nation 160 years ago, a nation on the brink of civil war, a nation sorely divided over important issues, he concluded his first inaugural address by speaking into that darkness and saying, the mystic chords of memory will someday swell the chorus of the union when again touched by the better angels of our nature. Lincoln. Looked beyond the present darkness to a glimmer of light that shined in the darkness. The better angels of our nature, as if to say that there was a light not only at the far end of the tunnel, but that there was a present light reflecting upon we who have been born in the image of God, that the light of God reflects upon us, the light of God refracts through us, that the light awakens the better angels of our nature. Sure. Amanda and I make it our habit to get up before dawn most Saturdays and make our way to the beach in the pre-dawn dark and we begin our walk in anticipation of the sunrise and, and we always hope that when we get there that there are some clouds in the sky because a sky with a few clouds makes the sunrise more beautiful and we look up at the clouds not at the horizon but at the clouds and we wait for the sun's light before the sun even breaks the horizon we wait for the sun light to reflect off the clouds. We, we see the sun in the clouds before we see the sun. And it is the sun in the clouds that tells us that there is a greater light on its way. And I wonder if that isn't how the light at the end of the tunnel works. That, that before we can actually see the light, we, we see the light reflected off and refracted through the better angels of our nature. That, that we who wait, who walk in the darkness, who, who dwell in the land of deep darkness, are, are the ones upon whom the light of the world reflects and through which the light of the world refracts. Don't you imagine that that's what the calling of the prophets were, those who stood in the darkness? Isaiah, for example, standing with the people who are now being taken into exile, standing in the darkness of a dark time, a hopeless time, an uncertain time. Isaiah standing with the people and and looking far beyond whatever any equation would appear to add up to and sees in the distance that light at the end of the tunnel and he knows that the only way the people are going to see see it is reflected upon him, refracted through him. The cloud in the sky there to tell them that the sun, while delayed, is on its way. This I suppose is what it means when the Bible tells us that that we, all of us, are created in the image of God, that that somehow, some way, we are that medium upon which the light of God is reflected and the light of God is refracted. And, And let's not go too fast past that point, that in the midst of the darkness, as we wait for the light, it is we, made in the image of God, it is we, it is all of us, who maintain the capacity to reflect reflect and refract the light of God, That, that our greatest hope in the darkness is to see that glimmer of light that God shines upon and through every living human being. In fact, it is maybe often the only way for us to see the light through its reflection and refraction upon and through the image of God in every living soul, the better angels of our nature. Grand Green's great novel, The Power and the Glory, he tells the story of a Mexican priest and as priests go, he's a pretty sorry one, he's an alcoholic, he's broken his vow of chastity, he is on the lamb. So in his effort to stay ahead of the law, the priest travels from town to town, half in search of his next bottle, but also half in search of people looking for an agent of redemption. And what he discovers along the way, in his moments of sobriety, is that somehow, it is his own brokenness that allows him to look with mercy Mercy upon the brokenness of others. It is his own brokenness through which the light of Christ refracts into the brokenness of others. It is his own brokenness that helps him see that the light of Christ is reflected in the brokenness of others. It is his own need of redemption that helps him to see the need of redemption in others. It is his own failure as a priest and human being that allows him to see with mercy the failures of others. And at one point, the priest, when he's confronted with the desperation of another group of villagers, says to himself, when you visualize a man or a woman carefully, you always begin to feel pity. It is a quality that God's image carries with it. When you see the lines at the corners of the eyes, the shape of the mouth, how the hair grew, it was impossible to hate hate is just a failure of imagination so we imagine don't we like the great prophets of long ago we imagine ourselves as the image of god as the reflectors and refractors of god's light to one another this is where we find hope in reflecting the light of god and in receiving that light of god reflected from others do you remember that great movie life is beautiful that tells the story of an Italian father and son who are taken away to a concentration camp in World War II and the father commits himself to one mission which is to shield his son from the dark horrors of the evil camp so with his great imagination he convinces the boy that the camp they're in is just really a complicated game and that the purpose of the game is to win points and he wins points by doing what his father tells him to do and he can only lose points by complaining or Asking to see his mother or saying that he's hungry. And the first one to a thousand points wins a tank. And so the whole time there, the father, for the sake of the son, transforms the dark camp into a game and reflects light into the darkness. He is there to serve his boy. And all is predicated in something that Guido, the father, learns early in the movie when his uncle is training him to be a restaurant server. The uncle says this to him. Think of a sunflower. It's beautiful because it bows to the sun. It serves the supreme art for God is the first of the servants. God's light reflects its beauty upon us and we bow before it and in turn bow before others. I love that scene in Kurt Vonnegut's novel Jailbird, where Walter Starbuck, a man who has been imprisoned for a couple of years for a Watergate crime, is finally released and he's left to stumble around New York City wondering if he has any value, any worth, any chance of being accepted after what he's done. He makes his way finally over to a coffee shop, and this is how Vonnegut describes the scene. Starbuck says, By the time I reached the coffee shop door, my self confidence had collapsed, panic had taken its place. I believe that. "'I was the ugliest, dirtiest, little old bum in Manhattan. "'If I went into that coffee shop, "'everybody would be nauseated. "'They would throw me out "'and tell me to go to the Bowery where I belonged. "'But I somehow found the courage to go in "'and imagine my surprise. "'It was as though I had died and gone to heaven. "'A waitress said to me, "'Honey, why don't you sit down right down there "'and I'll bring you your coffee right away?' I hadn't said anything to her. So I sit down, and everywhere I look, I saw customers of every description being received with love. To the waitresses, everybody was honey bunch and darling and dear. It was like an emergency ward after a great catastrophe. It didn't matter what race or class the victims belonged to. They were all given the same miracle drug, which was coffee. The catastrophe in this case, of course, was that for us, the sun had come up again. I had the feeling that if Frankenstein's monster crashed into that coffee shop through a brick wall, all anybody would say to him was, you sit down here right now, lamb chop, and I'll bring you your coffee right away. We reflect and we refract the light of Christ in a darkened world. So when the Israelites wandered in the dark deserts of the wilderness, wondering if there was ever going to be light at the end of their tunnel, Scripture says that Moses would climb up the mountain and have a conversation with God, the sunflower bending toward the sun. Scripture says that when he came down the mountain, his face glowed. He reflected and refracted the light, and the people had enough hope to keep walking with Moses through that darkness. Remember the look on the face of Nelson Mandela as he walked from his dark eight-by-seven-foot prison cell in which he had resided for 20 years. Do you remember the glow? Do, Do you remember the radiant smile of the man who had come now not to be served, but to serve, whose imagination had led himself to commit himself to the proposition that no man would ever be beneath him, that no person would ever make his bed, that his bending toward the sun allowed him to reflect the light of God to give his people hope for a more equal future. I remember reading a while ago the obituary of Gloves Greenberg, Gloves Greenberg, actually his real name was Meyer Greenberg. Meyer Greenberg was a 67-year-old advertising executive in New York City when he passed away. Now now there are thousands and thousands and thousands of advertising executives in New York City. So why does this man's obituary make it into, of all places, the New York Times? Well, it turns out that Meyer Greenberg had made it his practice for 30 years to commit every day between Thanksgiving and Christmas to walk the streets of the Bowery in New York and hand out gloves to the homeless people there. Every day through Advent, Gloves Greenberg would stop alongside the downtrodden and offer something to warm their hands. I prefer, said Gloves, I prefer to go looking for the ones who wouldn't ask me for help. It's not so much the gloves that matter, it's just that I want people to know that they count. There's light at the end of the tunnel and maybe you can see it in my face. Due to financial constraints, due to pandemic constraints, due to political constraints, due to polarization constraints, due to circumstances beyond our control, the light at the end of the tunnel is really, really hard to see, and it's hard to wait, and it's hard to be patient. It's hard sometimes to imagine the sun coming up, but the people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelled in the land of deep darkness, on them as light shined. For we are the image of God, the imagination of God, clouds in the sky, sunflowers bending, angels hovering, reflecting, refracting, and serving those who yearn to know that the dawn coming